0: previously on see you in another life brothers hey hey bro did you uh, talk to Jeff about giving back my lost DVDs
1: oh yeah he he definitely got the message oh great how'd he take it? well let's just say he's not a uh, gonna be watching them anytime soon oh wh- why not Well because they don't have a DVD player at the hospital what why is he at the hospital? Because I broke both of his legs. What? Why would you do that? Well, you wanted me to deliver a message. I can read between the lines.
0: I just just wanted you to tell him I was displeased, not hurt him.
1: Oh. I've got to go. Go where? To apologize to Jeff and his family. I kind of ruined his family reunion. Uh, yeah. Tell him he can keep the lost DVDs. Hey, why's the raft on fire?
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of See You in Another Life, Brothers. I am Joe, and joining me as always is my brother from the same mother, Andy.
1: Hello. How
0: you doing, Andy?
1: I am doing well. Excited to talk about a episode of Lost once again that I did not expect to be as great as it truly is. I feel like that's a theme of so many of these episodes so far. Mm-hmm. This is one I always kind of
0: overlook when I'm thinking about oh, season one in translation. Oops, I mispronounced it. Sorry. Here we go. In translation. That's how it's pronounced. You got to have go. silence beforehand. Um, this episode rocks my world, dude. As I was mm-hmm. watching this, I'm just like,
1: holy crap, this is a good episode. Holy crap so in so many ways i mean even just the cinematography like so much of it just looked great and then obviously the music is always great but like just so much about this episode is so good and interesting and so many good moments that frankly i kind of forgot about until they started happening and i was like wait this is amazing Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs)
0: all of
1: this happens in one episode wow so cool
0: a lot of the most memorable moments of season one right here in this mm-hmm. episode. And we always kind of overlook it, but here it is. And, uh, I think what's trem- what's the most tremendous thing about this episode is the fact that they, and I think you mentioned it when we talked about it earlier in an episode, how the least popular characters of the series um, I think he's found was it was Sawyer, and
1: then this man, Jin, was probably mm-hmm. the least popular, wasn't that? right? Yeah, I think I think Jin was, you know, and this was I think they're like test audience reactions to the first couple episodes or something. Uh, I forget how many episodes it was, but like early reactions were that Jin was the least likable, and Sawyer was just above him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So they had some heavy lifting to do to try to make Jin a likable character to make him, you know, to make you uh, empathize with him. And they they pulled it off. It's mm-hmm. incredible how they pull it off. And for a character who doesn't speak English, who's, you know, that that's already a barrier where it's like we don't really fully feel like we can fully identify with him. And he's just... So far, all we've seen of him is he's this standoffish kind of guy who seems to be mean to his wife. And and then we saw in Sun's flashback in House of the Rising Sun that he does some stuff where he has some bloody hands, and you go, what is with this guy? They managed to pull it off in this episode. So hats mm-hmm. off to the writers and the creators.
1: It would be... Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. It would be really interesting to watch... House of the Rising Sun back to back with this episode um, Mm -hmm. or to even just like put the flashback scenes together because so much of this episode is just, you know, the other side of the story of that one. You know, we saw Sun's perspective and from her perspective, it's just, oh, Jin was a good guy and slowly became you know, bad, and so she wanted to leave him. And this episode shows the other side so we can understand his story arc. And, yeah, it they just pulled it off. Like, he goes from a very, you know, hard-to-relate-to character um, who, you know, it's easy to dislike to someone that you really identify with and you can really sympathize with by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's just a really really good, great storytelling. Uh, I love the way that they just take one episode we've already seen and turn everything about their relationship kind of on its head, um, throughout each scene. Um, yeah, it's just really cool. For sure.
0: And I like how you mentioned, yeah, if you you watch house of the rising sun and this one together, because it is, it's like watching two different worlds with what sun is going through versus what Jin is going through. And I think that's kind of the point of this episode.
2: Mm -hmm. The
0: title we needed to address for a second in translation. It's, you know, lost in translation. It really fits this episode because there, everything in this episode, like last week we were talking about everything. The whole theme of the episode was clearly, you know, killing a man and the weight of that. This episode is all about communication Mm -hmm. and how just Terrible it can be when it breaks down, and I, I, Jin and Son, throughout it, it's clear that they just they can't communicate anymore, and it's devastating. Uh, so mm-hmm. they are lost. Jin is lost in translation with everyone else, but he's also in lost in translation with his wife as well. So mm-hmm. it's tough.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I tend to remember, you know, with that title, I always associate it with the scene where they kind of play off of the audio of everyone's, yeah. they mix up the audio of everyone's uh lines so that you're kind of hearing it from Jin's perspective where he can't understand everyone. But it works on such a deeper level of the fact that all of these flashbacks of Jin are happening kind of parallel to the flashbacks we saw of Sun, mm-hmm. but it's a completely, yeah, like a different world. You described it super well. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's wild what they do with with that in this episode.
0: Definitely. So why don't we just jump right into this thing? Um, I love how this one begins. You know, we've been talking about the the openings of these episodes. For some reason, it it, it and it can kind of feel like it's almost a throwaway thing. How they start it with Jin just on the island, kind of looking out at the ocean, and then they cut to the flashback. I don't know why, but that for some reason that opening it just kind of sets a weird sort of i don't know you're looking at this guy and you're like what what is his deal and they sort of draw you in with it in a weird way it's very the silence and then we're wondering what's going on with Jin
2: so mm-hmm.
1: well the and i think it sets up a lot of the episode actually really well because so much of the episode um is Jin kind of just being on his own yeah. um you know and to begin with just him kind of staring out at the ocean and then immediately going to a flashback, I feel like just sets up his character well for this episode where he's kind of a loner, you know, throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, just sets the tone for sure. Yeah. And
0: so in the flashbacks, we kind of find out how he became this loner. Um, so it's, I think it's important to kind of look at, examine what went wrong here with Jen. Because we, we open up with him and a son's father in this very uncomfortable scene right off the bat, we're, we're struck with the fact that okay, he this is where Jin asks her father for permission to marry his daughter. Um, I think the setting is significant. Uh, they're in his auto dealership, he's sitting there doing paperwork, and this is this is the moment where Jin, you know, it's like usually you. you take the father out to dinner or something right or <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah it, it's more of a you know relaxed and happy environment where you do it they're doing it at his place of work it's like jin has an appointment to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage which is significant that's that's uh, that should be a red flag right off the bat but,
1: uh, yeah it it feels a lot more like he's applying for a loan or something you know mm-hmm. like he <laughs> he's very formal and just kind of like nervous and, and the guy is kind of not giving him much attention or anything.
0: Yeah. And then Jin from like the very, one of the very first lines sets up kind of the dichotomy in the episode where he says, I may be from a fishing village, but I have ambitions. Hmm. He's being very clear. You know, I I got this past where I am from this lowly place, but I want to go places. Um, and he even says that, uh, he even lies to her father and says, my father is dead. That's how far he is willing to separate himself from his past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he said, he tells his father, it tells son's father that he's, he has these ambitions. He wants to start a restaurant, start a hotel, all these things. um, And then his son's father asks him, so what would you do for my daughter? Would you do anything for my daughter? Would you even work for me? Uh, And son says, absolutely. I mean, Jin says, absolutely. I would do anything. And I think the line of, to me, this might be the most important line of the episode. And I can kind of, I overlooked it maybe in a few viewings. But son's father says, why would I give my daughter to a man who gives up his dreams so easily?
2: Hmm.
0: and Jin says because she is my dream sir and I think in that moment I you know you wonder why son's father shakes his hand and says yeah go ahead and marry my daughter you're like why would he give it her to this guy who's clearly just kind of a dreamer he's from a fishing village he doesn't have any credentials you know you think about this as like he's applying for a job why would he give him to her it's. I think it's because of that line where where Jin admits that he would do anything for Son, mm. and Son's father goes, "All right, here we go. I've been looking for a guy to do my dirty work. Here mm. he is. And Son's father is using him now, mm-hmm. and he has the ultimate bait in his daughter. Just tells you what the type of guy Son's father is.
1: Yep." That's totally, yeah, that's totally it. And it's it's so well done because that scene, you know, you watch it and it can feel really like this impressively um, sweet moment. You know, like Jin looks even in that moment, mm-hmm. like he's kind of, you know, proud of his answer because, you know, he can say it honestly that she is my dream. I would do anything for her. Like he's sure of that. Um, And, and that's what gets him the handshake, but it's so twisted as the episode goes on when you realize, Oh, you know, it's almost like he just made a deal with the devil. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think you're, I think you're totally right that that's those two kind of lines. That interaction is the most important part of that flashback.
0: Yep. Yeah, and so we get that the scene that yeah I, I, you put it well. It seems like a victory, but is it really? Because in the next flashback scene, I want to jump there. We have you know they've been they're married now, Jin and Son, and they have that nice moment uh, where he comes in and they're talking, and uh, she's like the the son says, "I wish your father could have lived to see this," and mm. Jin says. Wherever he is, I'm sure he's proud of me. Um, Which is kind of a... I think it's interesting because later you find out that Jin is ashamed of his father. We already kind of know that. But he's sort of trying to justify... I think he's trying to justify his his leaps here. Saying his father is dead um, to have a better life. Um, Mm -hmm. Seems kind of twisted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he's trying to... Yeah, make himself almost feel better about it. You know, like maybe, maybe if he could see how far I've come, he would, you know, maybe the ends would justify the means or he would, he would at least think, you know, I'm proud of where you've come, even though, yeah, it's twisted because obviously he's feeling shame for his father and mm-hmm. hoping that he would be proud. But
0: yeah, it's a difficult situation because Jin, he has what he. his his dream is son and it's like the end, the ends justify the means. I think he's, he's justifying it in his head. He's like, no, my father would, I've got a beautiful wife. Now my father would be proud of me, even though I had to, you know, basically reject everything he stands for because (laughs) to do that, to do it. (laughs) Um, and so then son brings up the honeymoon, um, And Jin says, oh, I can't do it right now, maybe in a few months, because he's got to do everything for her father. Her father's got him um, wrapped around his finger instead of him being wrapped around son's finger. Hmm. Um, I I think son's perspective on I've always found it fascinating son's perspective on her father, Um, because I think she just has such a simplistic view of it. Or almost son, you know, she's from the upper class and I would never characterize son as spoiled um, or anything like that. But this is like the most spoiled I think she can act or or sort of because she says, you know, she's talking like, I'm his daughter. I'm more important than his auto shop. He won't hold it against you. I'm his daughter. That sort of thing where she's she's sort of making all these statements and she doesn't really kind of get it that her father is the type of guy that is using her as bait basically. Um, Mm -hmm. But she's got it in her head. So maybe it's not spoiled. It's, it's what a daughter should think.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I was about to say, it's almost like she's got, she, she can't see from the outside that it's a toxic uh, (laughs) circumstance, you know, that, that he's a, a, manipulative person because everything she's saying is reasonable. You know, it's like, like, well, you know, he should be able to give some leeway, leeway on, on us being able to go on a honeymoon. I mean, after all, he's my dad, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But Jin, you know, he's, he's trying to, he's still in the stage where he just thinks like, well, I just have to, you know, earn his respect um, and continue, you know, put my, head down and just work hard and all that stuff. And so both of them are kind of looking at it from a reasonable perspective of saying, well, if, if we just do what we're supposed to do, things will work out. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing, you know, that that he's made that deal with the devil basically, but. Yeah.
0: It's, it's frustrating. Cause J- son, I, I, I would characterize it like this son is so naive in these moments that you're just like, Uh, and and Jin Jin understands it but he also doesn't where he's saying I gotta you know he gets the type of man that her father is basically and he says this is the type of guy that you can't earn his respect unless you do the grunt work Hmm. but he also doesn't get the fact that you can't really ever earn his respect because he's always going to want more from you Uh, so it's it's a frustrating thing all around like you're saying toxic is probably Mm -hmm. a good way to describe it as well yeah um, but then Jin drops this line that I kind of overlooked before, but he says, we'll have the honeymoon we've always dreamed of. Mm. And I never connected that to the line in the flashback before, but uh, son's father said, why would I give my daughter to a man who gives up his dreams so easily? And now Jin is talking about the honeymoon we've always dreamed of. That's just that. That's great writing right there because mm-hmm. that's just it's a it's so it's foreshadowing. It's so clear. It's like he has this. Now here's another dream. Son's his dream now. He's gonna give her up easily to try to earn her father's respect.
1: Mm. Yep. Crazy. So tragic. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think if I remember right, um, at this moment, you know, he's he pulls that flower out, um, and puts it in her hair as he's saying all this. Um, and I love the, just kind of the callback to, you know, house of the rising sun where the flower was kind of a symbolic thing of their relationship. You know, he, you know, I'll remember the time when all you had to do was, you know, give a flower, um, you know, to show your love and all of that, whatever the exact line was, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of a perfect little image to say, you know, he's making this promise and it's so innocent and hopeful and, you know, it's it's their dream that they hope will happen, but um, obviously, you know, the rest of the episode ends to, it, it's foreshadowing the, the kind of tragic um, breaking down of the situation that'll, that will come to pass, but yeah. I just liked that symbolism, that callback there. Hmm. It's it's so
0: bittersweet. It's like we see, we we like lo- we love Jin, Jin, and Sun in this moment. We, you know, it's like it's a it's just such a sweet relationship. We understand where it originated, and it just makes it so tragic when you see the flower and you understand what happens to that because we've seen in the House of the Rising Sun, Jin tramples the flower. Hmm. You know what's coming. You can't stop it. Um. It's it's such a tragic thing to watch this thing unravel
3: Mm
0: -hmm. and we do so that brings us to um the next uh flashback scene where we get this whole thing about delivering a message um oh boy yeah And, and so okay i'm just gonna take a step back here if you're jen if your son's father um and you hire a new guy You need to do a little training when you got a guy (laughs) on a job. That's what, you know, that's usually how businesses run things. So you don't expect them to know how to do all the different procedures you have in place. So when he tells him to deliver a message, what he should have done in the first place is have someone go along with
1: him like he does later and, you know, show him the ropes um, <laughs> Maybe watch a training video. Explain yeah. some of the jargon you're using, man. Deliver a message. Come
2: on. Mm-hmm.
1: How to deliver a message. Here's how you do it.
0: Step one, <laughs> make a fist. Step two, beat the snot out of a guy.
1: <laughs> or shoot a guy and kill him. And um, dump your car eight kilometers away or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ew,
0: crazy. But so, yeah, Jin... And you, you feel for Jin here. Um, he's been... Prom- I think that's another brilliant thing that Sun's father does. This brilliant... Sun's father is a con man. Sawyer and he, you know, get along <laughs> in that he he butters him up by saying, you've been promoted. Um, this is a more important job. Now you get to deliver my messages for me. Um, and so Jin, being the... A uh, very responsible guy he is. The the great worker he is. He's going, to oh yeah, okay, I'll go. I'll deliver the message. It's going to get done. Just like the boss says, I'll go right now. And you just feel for them um, with just the awkward interaction there with the guy. And thinking. And then he gives him the dog, which I, I thought, is that the dog that Jin gives Sun in House of the Rising Sun?
1: that was so the i had that question as well um my only thing with that is um i was i was looking up stuff about the episode later and they uh someone called that a mistake um mm-hmm. because they said that it like those events are somehow i don't know if this is directly implied in the episode but they said in house of the rising sun you know, he brings the dog home and it's young and then in the scene when he comes in later and he's got blood on his shirt and everything the dog is old mm-hmm. so it's supposed to imply the passage of time and mm. somehow they were saying these scenes are supposed to take place within the same week I don't know how they got that from this episode or I don't know if that was directly said but anyway, I I've always taken it to be that's the dog that he brings home but I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's totally true
0: yeah it doesn't make sense in the timeline so i don't think it is and it looks mm-hmm. like it's a big dog that the guy gives him and yeah Jin gives son a small dog so yeah i don't think i yeah which raises the question what happened to that dog but i do <laughs> you want to know um you probably gave it to son's dad and then son's dad probably just said i don't want this dog and took it out back had, had his assassin take it out i don't want to think about that
1: <laughs> he did some villain things. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's evil.
0: Um and so Jin fails to deliver the message. Um we get this scene where they try to have the dinner afterwards. Uh which I love I love the unspoken things between the lines there where Sun has prepared a dinner so that they could have dinner together. She's been very intentional about it, which speaks volumes about the fact that they haven't been eating dinner together.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Things like that. In this episode, they do it very well. It's very subtle things you can kind of see um, about their relationship without them actually spelling it out. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, And uh, so they're having dinner, and then Jin is... Idealistic about not answering his phone, but he calls the home line. He, Jin, don't have a landline. that's the lesson here. <laughs> don't have a landline
1: that pesky landline mm-hmm
0: gets him he knows it's serious because he wouldn't call the landline if it wasn't
2: mm-hmm.
0: And so Jin has to learn how to deliver the message, and that that scene is just chilling when they're driving in the car. Would you agree?
3: when he's Mm -hmm.
0: explaining to him exactly what's going down. Chilling.
1: I feel like this is another one of those scenes that I, I, you know, upon first viewing, like, I think I was young, young enough to kind of misunderstand what happens in this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't think I originally realized that Jin wasn't supposed to get out of the car
0: yeah
1: um and that whole dynamic of the scene is so cool (laughs) to Mm -hmm. me now the idea that Jin, as he's driving realizes what's about to happen and makes the decision to do something that is incredibly you know traumatic for him but he knows that it will at least save that guy's life Um, because apparently this guy's about to murder him Um, or, you know, at least very much maim him or do something to a family member or something. You know, he's got a gun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Jin knows immediately what to do. And he does it and he beats the tar out of the guy, but he does it. And tells, tells him, you know, I just saved your life. Um, and that completely changes. I love how when we get that backstory moment, it's so much bigger than we could have imagined, you know, uh, in House of the Rising Sun, when we just see that he's got blood on his hands. It's like, mm-hmm. well, obviously he had to do something terrible. Um, and Sun has no idea what he did, you know, what yep. he's capable of there. But in this scene, it completely changes all of that view. What he was doing was horrible, but it was in order to prevent something worse from happening. Um, And that's just such a cool, you know, way to uh, subvert your expectations of, you know, learning what this horrible thing that he did, it was actually to try and spare this guy from something worse. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just a very dark, chilling scene, but very, very well done.
0: Yeah, it gives new, the significance to the line that Sun keeps using. He's She's used a couple of times on the island when she talks to Michael. Mm-hmm. I think she's talked, said this to Kate too, where she said, you, don't know, you have no idea what he's capable of. Yep. Well, Sun doesn't have any idea what exactly, well, she knows that so obviously he probably had to do something to get blood on his hands, but she doesn't really know either, and it's because he never. They don't communicate. I think mm. is important to note here. Yeah, th- that scene. We get to see the exact same scene again. We see it from Jin's side, and you can you can see it from his perspective. Like he can't really tell Sun exactly what just went down he's trying to protect her Mm -hmm. from that that horrible truth um as he admits later he can't tell her about her her father and so there's just this wall between them and they can't really understand what what's going on he he doesn't understand what's going on with her she doesn't understand what's going on with him and it's just a unfortunate situation
1: all the way around Mm mm-hmm yeah, I love in that scene, you know, when they when they show the same footage again of mm-hmm. him washing his hands and her, you know, being like, what wh- whose blood is this? What's going on? You know, Um, I love that they added that additional footage after she leaves the room mm-hmm. of him, his hands shaking and then him looking at himself in the mirror, basically, you know, mirroring that line that she's been saying, you know, you have no idea what he's capable of. And he's looking at himself wondering like, what am I capable of? What have I become? You know? Um, And just the way he plays that scene is so good. Um, It's so terrifying after all that he's done to look at himself in the mirror and be like, what have I become? You know, if following through that whole episode, he doesn't feel like the same guy from that first scene who was so optimistic, but like you were saying, you know, he's, he's willing to do anything, you know, for his dream, which is to be with her. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And the ironic tragic part is that they're farther apart than ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As he says, I do it. I do whatever your father tells me to. I do it for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and you start to wonder, is this really even for for the two of them anymore? Or is it just him trying to earn every it Jin has this complex, I think, where he's like, I that's the kind of the flaw of his character. He feels like any good thing he has, anything above where he came from, you know, this fishing village, he's got to earn it. He's gotta mm. feel like he's earned it. He's got to um, that's why he can never have the honeymoon because to take that break um so to have a vacation I think he just he'd feel unearned it's like I'm not I'm not actually earning anything anymore I'm on vacation I think that's the the tragic flaw there in their relationship where it was built on him feeling like he had to earn it and now he just has to continually try to earn it mm. over and over again Yeah And I love that you bring up house of the rising sun and that scene and how they added the footage in in the original in house of the rising sun, that scene, I think it's so, I think about this and it gives me goosebumps how that scene ends in house of the rising sun, where it ends with her closing the door and it fading out. That's so symbolic because that's like where their relationship just closed Mm. and faded. Um, It's like, that that cut in the edit is almost—it's uh, just so final, um, so symbolic. Because on the other side of that edit, as we see, is a man who's broken and needs someone. Now he doesn't have anyone anymore, and uh, it goes along with how Jin is isolated on the island. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of the island, I think uh, we haven't touched on any of that stuff yet, but actually, before we do, looks like we're about due for a break. So, why don't we take one and we shall return in a moment with more See You and Another Life Brothers after this. Welcome back to See You and Another Life Brothers. Uh, before the break, we were talking about Jin and Sun, and how we kind of got to this unfortunate point. Uh, so it's it's tough, but I guess we we have to dig into this broken island relationship we have here.
1: Yeah, yeah. stuff is not going so well. Nah.
0: uh so Jin's looking out at the ocean right and then here comes his wife in a bikini and uh he don't like that too much
1: yeah he kind of lost his mind when when she had one button unbuttoned (laughs) and uh so he basically his brain basically
3: explodes
0: (laughs) if we got x-ray of Jin's brain it's like the hamster on the wheel and the hamster just flies off the wheel (laughs) he's just he's off he he
1: is gone (laughs)
0: He's gone. Jin, Jin's just gone at this point. Uh, so he goes over, and they're having their their spat. Um, and then that that moment where Michael comes over to um, Kate and Jack, uh, he says, "What's going on?" And I love this line with that Kate says because it it once again it kind of speaks volumes. She says, "I don't know." He just walked up and started going off on her again. Mm. Um, we've seen it a little bit, in this, but that gives you the impression that, okay, this happens all the time. Right. That's, where, that's where we're at at this point. They're just constantly arguing and bickering, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I like the, the, the other's perspective on this. Everyone's just kind of going, they just can't quite grasp what they're looking at here you know a husband just comes up to his wife and just starts arguing with her and she seemed to be doing nothing wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: and obviously yeah and no one can understand what's going on you know they they don't speak the language and so they just kind of have to everyone's just like do do we do something you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then and- speaking of uh hamsters flying off of the wheels in someone's head michael decides to get involved so <laughs> Y yeah. you-, you love michael um
0: Michael is a good guy. He's a good guy. I, I think that this is one of the more redeeming qualities of his character in that he was he was a really good I think he was really good uh I don't think they were ever married, but a husband, if you will, to Susan.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel
0: like I feel like he was, although they obviously had some arguments and stuff. But you feel his heart is in the right place. He sees yeah. a woman being abused by her husband and he goes to help. Right. But just yeah, it's and son's his friend, too, at this point. So it's one of those where... Mm-hmm. Um, but he winds up getting slapped by Sun. Mm, that's oh, awkward. Boy. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. And, uh, and so they walk away, and Jin's, like, looking at this going. He's already had some sneaking suspicions, as we've seen in other episodes where he's caught them together. And so we get the moment with him and son back in the caves. And this scene is another one I noticed like in a, in a second viewing where I don't think I ever paid much attention to this before, but Jin asks son what's going on with Michael. And he asks it while he's looking at the watch. Mm-hmm. And I I just, I look at that and go, Oh, that's really cool. That's interesting because I feel like it's, it, He's looking at the watch and then he's looking at sun. And I kind of, I kind of, view, the way I interpret that, I look at that and go, Jin is starting to see sun like the watch, like this property of, instead of the love of his life, he's seeing her as property of her father. And not just another thing he has to protect. Mm. That's the way I kind of, I'm like, and so, and that's where we see that this relationship is really, on the rocks and fracturing. Cause if he's not even seeing her as the love of his life anymore, just some, another piece of, you know, her father, father's property. Oh boy. That's mm-hmm. where we're at.
1: I like that interpretation. I had noticed the watch as well. And I, I feel like the way you see that takes what I was thinking a step further. I feel like I was just thinking that, you know, in, in a similar way that the, um flower you know is maybe representative of of their relationship at his at best Mm -hmm. i was thinking of the watch as just kind of like you know maybe the opposite almost you know that where he is only operating to do what his uh what he is told you know Mm -hmm. what he has been hired to do or maybe even just representative of his resentment (laughs) you know of of her father um and then so I mean I feel like I was just thinking of it as a negative sort of omen in their relationship. Yeah. Um and I think that's a that's kind of a cool interpretation to see it as. Um even his viewpoint of her the way he is viewing her has become twisted even at this point. Um in the same way as as the watch, but I think it's
0: probably a combination of both of ours we we're talking yeah i think that the watch it, it's a very heavy it's full of symbolism of all sorts of things mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a dark symbol like you're saying the flower is the light and the the watch is the dark i, I agree um it's it's his her father's influence seeping into Jin and turning his, Jin into her father basically mm. is what's going on here and uh, Jin can't quite can't quite escape it um and so uh then we have Sun going to Michael and explaining that she slapped him to protect him um from Jin because you don't know what he's capable of which we already talked about Sun doesn't really fully understand what what Jin is capable of either um and so then after this we see Jin sort of start to go off on his own um, hitting some golf hitting some rocks with the golf club <laughs> I like this moment with Hurley and again and again throughout this the season one I've been noticing this over and over again Hurley is such a good friend
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean Jin, uh, <laughs> Jin and Hurley were, were you know at odds for so long there and they finally kind of found a mutual respect and so Hurley comes up to him and you know, because he knows he loves to fish. And he says, hey, this might help you, man. We can go fishing together.
1: Uh, just did You got to love Hurley. I I totally agree. I think like throughout these episodes we've been watching so far in season one, I feel like you just see Hurley being, um, uh, you know, I feel like there's the obvious kind of leaders of the group like Jack and Locke, and Saeed, you know, in different ways. They're kind of leading. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's Hurley, who is leading by just being a good friend to everyone. You know, just Mm -hmm. seeing who needs help, uh, or who might be an outcast, or who, you know, just things they can do to support one another, and he's doing them. Uh, And it's just kind of a, a cool theme throughout throughout season one. Um, the way Hurley is just there to support everyone. Um yep. yeah, I love that moment where he's just like, man, I'm I'm trying here, <laughs> you know? I think
0: of it sort of like Jack and Locke and they sort of are like the the bosses, the overarching bosses where they have these ideas. They have these grand ideas. Live together, die alone. Um, Locke is, you know, believes in faith. He believes in something greater. Um, There's these lofty sort of ideas. And here's Hurley in the middle of it all kind of just putting things into practice versus Jack and Locke or other characters who are kind of stuck in their own heads. And Mm. Hurley is, so I think that's the, the beauty of Hurley. Yeah. and he he understands it with Jin. He's like, you want to be an outsider? It's your business. Um, he tried, um, and uh, Jin is just choosing to be an outsider at this point. Really, he kind of doesn't have any other choice other than son. So he's right. just kind of lost. I mean, he could have gone fishing with Hurley, but it's a tough spot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It reminds me of the that line from last week's episode with saeed you know like such an important line for the series as a whole but when he said to charlie you know you're not alone don't pretend to be and then we get this episode where Jin really is <laughs> kind of alone at this point um with the rift between he and son because she's really the only one that understands him that you know literally uh can converse with him. Um, But even when he's presented with something like fishing from, from Hurley, he's deciding to be alone instead. Um, Yeah.
0: And so then we get, uh, I guess we have to take a little digression here to talk about the significance of what happens next, because we, we do see that Michael has made some serious progress on this raft. This, this thing is coming together uh, as Mm -hmm. Jack comes and visits him and uh we find out that sawyer bought his way on of course um, of course he did of course he did um but there's only room for one more and and uh michael is bound and determined to get this thing going and that's i think at one point he even says that's all i know all i know is i i he, he's basically kind of dismissed son at this point he's like i'm just focusing on the, just this raft all it is and son has put it into his head too. I think it's important that you know you don't know what he's capable of. So it all kind of forms that perfect um, circumstance for what happens next uh, with the raft. Um, before that, we do get the scene with Kate and Son, where they're having kind of the heart-to-heart, um, and Son tells. Kate about how Jin was so tender and Kate says, what changed him? Which son can't answer fully. I mean, she, she probably has an idea that it was her father, but I I think she's just still kind of mystified by exactly what happened Mm -hmm. as far as how Jin became that way.
1: Yeah. It's kind of the question of the episode. What changed him? Like this is, that's the story of, of the flashbacks, you know, but, Mm -hmm. Totally.
0: And so then we get the raft on fire. Whew. Oh boy. Oh boy, the raft's on fire. Um everyone's trying to go put it out. Uh, and I did like the the moment in there where well maybe we can talk about that later. I was gonna get into a little Michael and Walt stuff, but let's let's focus on Jin and Sun, we can talk about that a little later. Sure. Um, but back to uh, the, the raft's on fire, and of course, Michael's first instinct is that Jin did it. Where is he? And so Sun goes off to Jin, and I think this scene, um, where Sun Sun comes up and Jin is in there. Of course, he's trying to heal it, uh, care for his wounds. And I think that the the, the the moment Sun sees this and immediately jumps to the fact she assumes that Jin burned the raft mm. is significant. She doesn't assume the best in him. Um, which I, I is significant because before, you know, when he came home with blood in his hands in the flashback, she's. This is that's like the first time where she's starting to assume the worst of him. And now I think it's become sort of a habit where she's like, I don't even know anymore. I'm assuming the worst. Um, he burned the raft. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this guy's a monster.
1: Yep, And I think on top of that, so she assumes the worst and then, you know, yeah. contrasts what he's done with Michael was only doing the right thing. Yeah. And all of that is the worst thing that Jin could hear in that moment, you know? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it shows the communication breakdown between the two because, so Sun's trying to get information from Jin. And the only thing Jin says to Sun in this whole scene is Michael. And then he (laughs) runs off. That's all he hears that all he's thinking of is that she's cheating on him with Michael or something like that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even, Everything else is sort of, oh, someone burned the raft. All he cares about is that. And all Sun cares about is everything else around it. And so there's like two different perspectives that they can't see eye to eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so Jin runs off into the wilderness to be alone, only to find out that it is a. Scary Sawyer-filled world out. (laughs) (laughs) I've always thought this this scene with Sawyer is, I mean, how how must that have been? If you put yourself in Jin's shoes, suddenly here's this this guy you don't understand what he's saying. All you know is he's kind of a schnook, and he's got a knife and he's, he's tied you up and (laughs) (laughs) saying it's Lord of the flies time. You can not understand that, but it just a crazy moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that he's like, um, man, the, the raft is burned down and I tried to fix it and my wife doesn't believe me. And there's some, some weird stuff going on between her and this guy. I'm just going to get off on my own. And then suddenly he gets, kicked in the face by, by this random guy who ties him up and pulls out a knife. It's like, man, he's having, having a terrible, terrible time. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think of this scene too, in context of what we just talked about in outlaws with Sawyer, um, where he had, you know, he had a chance in that episode to kind of come to terms with the fact that getting revenge isn't the answer. You know, Mm. tried to get revenge, didn't work, didn't ease his suffering. um, And he just didn't didn't um, come to terms with that. He sort of just said it's just a bore and moved on. And now he is fully on back into just a guy out getting revenge because, oh, this guy burned my raft. I'm going to hunt him down and tie him up and bring him back. He's gone full Sawyer again.
1: That's a really good point. It, it is interesting to see, like, where Sawyer's at in this episode from last week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he just kind of falls back into, well, I just have to do what needs to be done to get even with this guy, I guess, you know?
0: And speaking of Sawyer, I just want to acknowledge, I forget where it is in the episode, but there is a moment in this episode, either when the raft is burning or when he brings Jin back to the beach, where Jack just straight up says... <laughs> shut up to sawyer and it's the most
1: satisfying thing um, actually in the whole world it happens twice it happens in both of those scenes oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you said it because i think in one scene he says shut up and then in the other one he's like shut it <laughs> it's
0: just it's the most satisfying it's like one of those you know oddly satisfying videos i could watch it over and over again and just... <laughs> That's the stuff right there.
1: Those two it, Sawyer says something to Jack and he just shuts him down. It's perfect. It's it's perfect. It is perfect.
0: Um, and so Sawyer brings him back to the beach and then we get this scene. Uh, what can be said about this scene? So <laughs> many <of> the, things. <laughs> so many things. Um, where to even begin I guess I do like in this scene, they bring it, bring Jen back and they have that great moment where we're seeing from his perspective and he can't understand everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I like Jack's role in the scene where we see him trying to sort of fix the situation as Jack does, where he's trying to calm Michael down. He's trying to keep them from coming to blows. And then Sawyer and Saeed come in and just say, Nope. This is their fight. Let them do it. And we just see Jack just kind of the, the the sheer frustration in, on his face in the moment where he's like, okay, fine. They have, to, I can't stop them. Um, yeah, it's Jack coming up against something he can't fix.
1: Frustrating. Mm-hmm. There's a, in that moment too, just kind of a funny aside, um, the I forget what line he says now. Uh, It's killing me. I think uh, Saeed says something like, he's right. This is between the two of them or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear it, it's it's just a weirdly, you know, those lines that for some reason stand out in some of these episodes and you just always remember for some reason, the way Saeed steps in, it feels like a like. Uh, i don't know like police officer or like captain america type guy like (laughs) he's right it's between the two of them we must Mm -hmm. stand aside you know (laughs) it's just kind of one of those weird lines that i always it just always stands out as feeling kind of out of place or something to me but um but yeah he's like nope we need to let those two work it out and jack because he's not you know full boil right now uh Mm -hmm. lets it happen (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like this lock in out in uh, homecoming where yeah, they, when, yeah, exactly <laughs> similar type of thing where it's, he's the only one saying it, I think for some reason um but so they go at it full bore and uh, Jin is not backing down because that's not the type of guy he is he's going at it with Michael who knows what he's saying I love how they don't subtitle and just kind of kind of leave it up to you to kind of interpret. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he's saying something like, you you think you can get away with being with my wife? That's probably all Jin is thinking at this point. He's not even thinking about the raft. Um, Although, no, I bet he is because then he turns to Sun and Mm -hmm. we have the moment where he's saying something, which must be, why do they want anything to do with me? I didn't burn the raft.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, part of me, in this scene it's almost like i don't know i wonder i i do like the fact that they don't give us the subtitles so we don't know what he's saying um but yeah i wonder because he never fights back and he kind of directs his attention to to son throughout uh but he's also kind of addressing michael you know it it feels like he's in the same way that he's, like, exiled himself in the episode, like, not allowing himself to be with others or even, like, go fishing with Hurley or anything like that, it feels like because he doesn't fight back at all, he's just saying, this is just what needs to happen. Like, I wonder if there's part of it that's just him accepting the punishment. Mm. Even though... You know, in this instance, the specific instance of the raft, like the punishment he's receiving, he's innocent. But, you know, maybe maybe he's allowing himself to be hurt because of the things he's done up until this point. Um, I don't know. I think that's been a, a question I've had with this episode. Anytime, you know, like his motivations in this scene, like what's going through Jin's head. I think there's a lot of different ways you could look at what he's doing um in yeah. not fighting back and and just kind of standing there and taking it
0: i think you might be onto something there because i think that's the the direct opposite you know it jin is the way i see him he's he feels like he needs to earn all of his rewards i think the the direct opposite and what the corollary is that he also feels like he needs to receive the punishment for all of his mistakes it's not fully, you know, if he makes a mistake or if he, he does something wrong, um, if he's not punished for it, it's just it, it, he, he deserves it. Um, and I do think there's a line coming up later in the series, maybe this season might be in the finale, but where he kind of expresses that philosophy like he's mm. he's being punished. Um, we'll have to wait until we get there because I don't fully remember it. That rings
1: a bell, though. I think you're right. So I'm
0: excited to get to that. And so Jin, no matter what it is, whether it's good or it's bad, Jin always feels like it's all got to be on him. He can't accept anything that's not earned by him. Hmm. Uh, And that's really the kind of the flaw of him. That's why he gives up on his dreams so easily, because the dream, he can never fully achieve it. It's always got, you know... It gets lost in the earning, lost in the struggle, lost in the responsibility. Mm. Um, but so then we have, we also got to think about son's perspective on this whole thing. Uh, it's a tough choice, tough spot to be in. Do you, you know, cause you're the only one who knows he didn't burn the raft and she can't help but speak up because she's still, I think somewhere deep inside her, she still loves him. That's what this shows right here. Um, And so she says, stop, he didn't burn the raft. And (laughs) this is an iconic moment uh, where everyone goes, you speak English? Um, Jack's line where he says, you understood us this whole time. Why didn't you say anything? Uh, It just shows Jack's (laughs) simplistic view of this whole thing. And, there's so much yeah. deeper.
1: I love, yeah, he, he just sounds so much like, like man, Like, why wouldn't you say something? Like, not mm-hmm. even, <laughs> not realizing, like Sawyer realizes right away, you know, yeah. he can tell, like, Jin didn't even know. You know, like, mm-hmm. judging on the look on his face, like, even he didn't know this whole time.
0: Yeah. And I love, yeah, with Sawyer, when Sun says... He did not burn the raft. My husband is a lot of things, but he's not a liar. He's many things, but he is not a liar. Which is so true when you think of that line. It's like Jin is, of the, the two of them, Jin is the one who's always forthcoming. He may not always speak, he may omit things, but he's not a liar son is the liar of the two and i love how sawyer just dissects that right you're gonna you're gonna lecture us about lying betty Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so accurate um to their relationship um and then i love that no she she says yeah he didn't do it and michael asks well why didn't he run and and son can't really why did he run? Sun can't really answer that. Um, she's not sure about his full motivations. And so she asks, she turns and asks him. And of course, Jin's not going to say anything. Um, Jin is speechless because he's all he sees is betrayal. Um, mm-hmm. Just a great moment.
1: Yeah, well, and I think his silence there, uh, shows so much because I think part of it is just him clearly in shock um, and trying to figure out, like, wait, when did that happen? Like, when did she learn English? You know, all of this stuff, like uh, mm-hmm. how long has this lie existed? But also, you know, I mean, I was trying to think of that, like, why why would he run in that moment? but we've talked about it already. Like he thinks, you know, it's not just that he was thinking about the raft. He was thinking about her possibly like, he doesn't know fully what's going on, but he suspects that there's something between her and Michael. And so he's just running away from the situation entirely. So why did he run? You know, why did he hide from everyone else? Doesn't have a simple answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that moment, of course, like he's just going to kind of stare, um, which I think, you know, for everyone else, it just looks like guilt. But it it makes a lot of sense when you see everything else that's been going on.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it would all have probably continued to boil over. I, I wonder if it would have continued to, you know, if Michael wouldn't have accepted it and just would have kept going. If not, for who, it's, it's such a weird moment when Locke speaks up, when you think about it, when you think about this thing he says here when he comes in, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's legendary in the, the panels of Lost History. <laughs> um, so iconic. Uh, but it's so weird. Because he he begins it with, you know, why would any one of us block our way home?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I don't have we figured we didn't we didn't know that Locke did that yet, but Right. Sorry, spoilers everyone out there, but he blo- literally blocked a way home. Locke is um it's so weird that he would bring but I it, on the surface you look at it and you go, why would Locke bring that up? Uh, why would he, you know, bring up the others in this moment? I think the, the, the key to it all is that Locke, Locke is looking at this whole situation and he is just seeing people, relationships fracturing needlessly on this island where he tells Shannon later, you know, everyone gets a fresh start. He's looking at it going, these people just don't get it that, you know, we can all have a fresh start. And I think he's like, I can't, you know, I can't reason with them and say, this place is a place where miracles happen in this moment, obviously. So he finds a, a new, a villain that he actually, you know, the others, I think he kind of uses them in that moment and says, they've attacked us, sabotage has abducted us. We're not the only people on this Island and we all know it. Um, he's basically trying to bring the team together in the only way he can. At that point, he's being very pragmatic. I don't know if he fully believes in or cares about the others at that. He's more, I think my Locke is more concerned about the Island itself. Mm but he's using the others sort of to as a, a scapegoat to try to get everyone to stop being insane in his perspective. I don't know. What do, what, what do you think about this whole Locke thing? Sorry, I kind of rambled
1: on. No, that was great. No, I I agree with with what you're saying there and everything and I I love so this this whole scene, you know, they're the way they film it is really cool because they're kind of just doing Shots of everyone surprised watching what's happening unfold, you know, in this group standing all together. And then all of a sudden, it feels like the cameras just suddenly notice this guy, Locke, walking up from, you know, outside of this group mm-hmm. saying, you know, like, we're all concerned about what each other is doing, but we've got this common enemy that we should be paying attention to. And it's like, like you were saying, he sees from the outside that all of this is breaking down and he knows that the only thing to defuse the situation is a common enemy outside Mm -hmm. of all of them. And so he points to the most obvious thing, which is the thing that they've been ignoring anyway, that there's other people on this island who apparently pose a threat. Um, And it's genius. And as he's walking away, the camera kind of follows him and feels like, you know, it's it just feels like this kind of wild moment of this man just coming into this situation, haphazardly yelling at everyone and saying, you know, there's other people on this island we need to pay attention to the enemy is what we need to focus on. And as he leaves, then suddenly everything is just like diffused and they can all just like part ways at that point because mm-hmm. what else do you do um and i just love kind of the wildness of lock coming in and shutting it all down and then they all just kind of leave mm-hmm. um and and our you know as the viewer we get that renewed sense of like oh my gosh the the others are are a threat and obviously we get what actually happened later but mm-hmm. um yeah there's just so much in that scene so many big moments but especially Locke just shutting everything down is is such a cool cool scene
0: yeah and as i'm, I'm thinking about that moment and we think about Jin and son we think about Jin, his perspective on it just some weird bald guy just comes in and starts yelling um,
1: <laughs> that's so true but there's no idea
0: if only Jin could speak English and he could have heard what Locke said there, I wonder if that would have slapped some sense into him a little bit, mm. and he would have realized what's most important is my wife. We mm. have to live together. Um, but on the tragedy of this episode, once again, communication. Jin doesn't understand. So when Sun approaches him after that moment, because Sun heard exactly what Locke said. And I think it kind of impacted her a little bit. Um, But she comes up to him and he just gives her the cold shoulder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tragedy of just lack of communication. Yep. And so then we get, after that, we come down off of that crazy scene. (laughs) We get another deeply emotional scene with now Jin apparently is moving out and uh son comes in and her questions are just heartbreaking Mm. where she said why didn't you tell me you didn't burn the raft um and then she says what have i done to deserve this when did we stop talking Mm. once again communication she's just she doesn't understand i'm trapped in a prison where my husband won't talk to me anymore I don't understand exactly how this happened. Um, All she understands is what she says in English, where she says, I was going to leave you. I was going to run away. I was going to get away. But you made me change my mind. You made me think that you still loved me. Um, And then she says, I want to go back to the beginning. Can't we just start all over?
1: And that whole scene when she switches to speaking in English there, that's mm-hmm. one of the most memorable moments in the whole series to me. Yes. Um. Just the, I mean, her delivery of that line, you know, I was going to leave you. So it's so heartbreaking. Just the fact that she switches to English and speaks to, to Jin in English for the first time um, to say, you know, what she can't actually say to him in a way that he would understand. Um, But she just needs to say it. Uh, That she was going to leave. She was that close. But she believed that he was still, you know, going to continue their relationship. And now he's leaving. Like, after all that, when they could start over, he's Mm -hmm. leaving. Um, And I feel like that's a really important theme for this entire episode. You know, we've talked about it already, but can you start over? Um, Mm -hmm. What's holding you back from starting over? Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that's one of those just big, amazing moments of of this series to me. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think, as I'm... Reading these lines and thinking about her, yeah, it, the way she said it, son's perspective on this relationship, on sort of her her philosophy. When you think about Jin, as we've been establishing, Jin is responsibility. I have to earn everything. Son's perspective on all of this is kind of summed up in the line, "I was going to get away." Mm-hmm. Um. I was going to leave you. I was going to get away. Sun, while Jin feels like redemption is found by, you know, getting down into the mud and earning it, Jin uh, Jin thinks that. Sun thinks that it is found by getting away, by going on that honeymoon they've always dreamed of. Hmm. She thinks that, I want to go back to her, her when she says, "I want to go back to the beginning," can't we just start all over? Is her saying, "I want to escape what we've created here. What what we've? I want to get all that baggage off and start over. I want to escape." Mm. Um, and she's saying that to a man who, it, you know, he he's lived his whole life with, you know, baggage and trying to earn and trying to overcome Mm. and it's just tough yep because he said she says can't we just start all over and then we get the flashback i think we need to this scene um we get to meet jin's dad and I think Jin's dad... I know I've said Rose is my favorite character in the whole show. <laughs> I mean, favorite main character. Favorite character in the whole show. It might might be Jin's dad.
3: He
1: This scene, how can you not love him? <laughs> I know.
0: Because Jin comes to him, you know, suit and tie. Um... Comes back to his father. He he go he literally, as we just we had the in the on the island, son is asking, can't we go back to the beginning? Jin literally goes back to the beginning in this flashback um, to try to find some clarity. And he says, I'm sorry, father, please forgive me. I was ashamed of you. Admitting that, you know, what we saw before, where he's saying, I think my father would be proud of me. He's he was ashamed of his father um and how does his father greet him with open arms mm. um and i think it's significant too in this scene that they're they're fishing together when they have this conversation um i think the whole fisherman thing with jin like hurley trying to get him to go fishing jin is a fisherman um as much as he wants to, you know, try to be like a restaurant owner or someone who's at the at his very core, he's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's gone back to his roots. Um, and so we get that moment where Jin it really comes clean to his father, and he says, "We." He's t- talking about son. He says, we don't talk anymore because I can't tell her about her father
2: mm.
0: in a good world. She would hate him, not me. You could dissect that line. <laughs> that, that's from Jin's perspective. The good world is that son hates her father. Right. Um, <laughs> not him. Um, but he's become her father, uh, mm. and he just thinks that it's too it's too muddied, too messy to get anything further. And then Jin's dad says, "Maybe my favorite line of the whole episode, maybe top ten in the whole series." <laughs> Jin, it is a good world. It's so perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that that could be you know it could be cheesy, but it's 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 so significant. His father's trying to get him to see, Jin, it's a good world. You don't you know, life you don't have to live with all of these. What he's making for himself, these responsibilities. He's 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 manufacturing all of this on himself. Jin's father's like, no, it's a good world. You can, you can. Uh, overcome uh you don't have to live with your baggage mm-hmm. um but then son no, Jin comes right back with you don't know what i've done once again putting it all on himself uh i deserve punishment and then Jin's father all uh i mean you can't you can't watch the scene I think you'll agree and not think of the parable of the prodigal son.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: He says, you're my son. It does not matter what you've done.
1: That's, um, I, I feel like that's my favorite line of the scene. <laughs> I love that's that. It's a great line.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Jin's father is a dad. He He, you know, we've seen a lot of bad fathers in this series. Jin's father is a, good father because that's how a father should see a son mm-hmm. um, and and Jin just can't fully accept that he says I, I wish I could start over why can't you? Jin says I have responsibilities so Jin is still as we see he's still stuck um, even though his father is is opening his arms and saying live like I do live free. He just can't bring himself to fully do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And yeah, the, the tragic, you know, obviously irony of the scene when juxtaposed with the on Island moment that it's paired with is that both Jin and son want to start over, but neither knows that the other, you know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. Lost in Translation. I mean, it's right there. That that they both want to go back. We have to go back! Um, <laughs> to the beginning, you know. But they they can't. Um, and they're just, it's like they're ships in the night. You know, they're, they're missing each other. Um, and now, you know, once again, that question. Uh, what's stopping you from starting over? um kind of comes back to what's going on 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 the island I guess you know with with yeah. Jin and Sun like what if he wanted to start over then why can't you now you know yeah so
0: and i think yeah we come back to the island and the the climax of the whole episode where sun is inviting jin to start over and jin i think it's significant that before he goes to say something and before he does, he looks at his hand. It's all bloody. Mm. And I think in that moment he, he looks at that and he go he, he remembers that he, all the terrible things he'd done. And he says, it's too late because from Jin's perspective, there is no escape. You live with all of the terrible things you've done mm. and you're punished for all the things you've done. So I, I, that's how I see it. That's why he walks away. Um, and I think Sun sees it in a different way. Sun sees it like he doesn't love me mm. anymore. Uh, but that's not the truth. Jin loves her, but he doesn't deserve her. I think is what at the end of the day that's where we're left.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and like we've been saying, it ends. You know, their storyline here ends with them to both. On completely different pages yeah. of what what is going on, and now they're in, you know, physically different locations too. With her at at the caves, and him apparently going back to the beach to mm-hmm. help with the boat. <laughs> yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I love that moment when he comes back to Michael. Just the look on Michael's face. <laughs>
1: what boat? Boat.
0: But it speaks to who Jin is. He needs to earn something. So this is his new project. This is how he's going to figure out how to make his some sort of dream a reality again by helping Michael with the boat. Yep. Yeah. Jin and son. Boy.
1: It's complicated.
0: (laughs) Jin and son. It's complicated. That's, that's their tagline.
1: <laughs> Gotta love them. What a what a uh, they they took the idea. You know, the writers have lost. I just love the fact that they they took the idea of having a couple, and you know, I mean they're they're the only at this point in the series. They're the only like main characters that are a couple. Um, and they were together on the plane, so we've got the opportunity for flashbacks between the two of them. I just love the fact that the writers took the opportunity to t- do two different episodes, mm-hmm. kind of centered on the two of them, and you know, e- each separate. You know, the first one on Sun primarily, and the second one on Jin primarily, in order to tell the ways that they're they've become separated you know they become kind of estranged from one another over time yep. um like that's just such a cool way to sh- bring us into into their story um i when I was looking up stuff about this episode there were the reviewers did not actually love this episode really? um like they they didn't uh it wasn't like a, a negatively reviewed episode really but um reviewers basically said like um they they were disappointed in the fact that it didn't advance the like main storyline much Hmm, um which i think is a cheap shot because um and i think like with with us doing this podcast i feel like our whole thing is going back and showing all of all of the things that people have overlooked in in the series but The thing I love in these episodes especially is just the fact that um, they're doing such good storytelling and creating interesting characters all along the way. And I think both of us watched this episode and we were like, wow, this is so amazing. And I mean, truthfully, like it doesn't do very much in the grand scheme of Lost and the mythology and everything. But it's such a good story, like just so so Um, Mm well-told and to me that's that's what lost is so
0: yeah I I get you know people would be like yeah not a lot not a whole lot happens here they don't address the hatch they don't talk about they mention the others they you know the raft gets burnt I mean we move step back we don't go and step (laughs) forward (laughs) yeah that's true Um, but I agree here's the way I see lost the more and more I watch it it's sort of like, I think other people see it sort of like a novel with, you know, and it is a novel, but I also, I think this episode does a whole lot to forward the grand sort of philosophical narrative of Lost. You know, you can watch these episodes on for what, hap- for what happens in them, but once again, I'm seeing like each of these episodes are touching on a different aspect of kind of the overall man of science, man of faith, live together, die alone, sort of, they're exploring different aspects of those themes. And this one's all about communication and all about, uh, how important it is if we're going to live together. Um, so it's like, it's like a chapter in a, in a, in a textbook Mm. as opposed to like a novel. Um, and it's it's a it's a really compelling textbook. I don't. It's not like, you know, textbook boring. But yeah. It, it's very. It's it's like a philosophy, a great philosophy debate discussion. Each of these episodes, again and again, they do that. And sure, we have the great story elements, and we touch on those too. I love those too. That's why it, there's so many different levels to Lost. You can appreciate all of them, and that's why throughout it, I, I think the whole series as a whole is super strong because it always stays strong on that level. Even if you can quibble about, Oh, you know, this or that, or or, uh, with what happens or, you know, uh, Oh, the, the smoke monster, they never really, that sort of thing Mm -hmm. on the overall arching narrative, that discussion that they start, they always manage to create, have a new interesting angle that's fascinating to look at, and that's why the show is the greatest uh, network television show to uh, ever come along. Um, I will go to my grave saying that. So.
1: <laughs> there will never be a show like Lost. That is true. No. So,
0: Anywho, I think uh, it's, I know we got a little bit more on this episode to talk about. Maybe we should take a quick break and uh, we can wrap it up after the break here. How that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. We will be right back with more. See you in another life, brothers. After this, welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. Uh, we are still talking about in translation, <laughs> and uh, we we've I think we've covered Jin and Sun pretty darn well, but there are a couple other uh, relationships I think in this episode that deserve a little bit of time here. Uh, Said and Shannon. We have them dealing with some stuff um, where clearly, I think, uh, I, I, Andy, I don't know about you, but I think uh, Shannon likes Saeed.
1: What? I think Saeed might what? like her too. What? I think they like each other. <laughs> this is This is a surprise. They have not built on this at all. <laughs> Saeed and
0: Shannon sitting and I won't keep going. All right, um, All right. But Saeed being the uh, the honorable man he is, he goes to ask permission from Boone. Uh, and we get that moment where Boone basically lays out what we've kind of found out in Hearts and Minds, where Shannon sort of likes to manipulate people mm-hmm. and uh, warns Saeed that she's probably manipulating him, too. I kind of do wonder if that's that was her intent originally when she started, you know, when Saeed came up to her and then she saw the opportunity. I do wonder if that's where she was headed with it originally. I feel like she was kind of using Saeed to get Boone like she did with her other boyfriends mm-hmm. a little bit there.
1: Yeah, it it does feel a little bit, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because they don't really... I feel like they don't really show it from Shannon's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, We've, we've kind of seen more of Shannon from Boone's perspective in that way. Um, So it is kind of hard to tell, like, you know, and, and even those first couple scenes of this episode, you know, she, she even references, you know, he's like, how did you learn to tie a knot like this? And she says, I dated a guy who uh, was into sailboats or whatever it was, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, so, like, even just stuff like that hinting at, you know, she has dated guys and gained knowledge or, you know, gained stuff from them through that. Um, and then Boone saying what he says, you know, um, it, it kind of hints at maybe she really is just, you know, uh, using Saeed. You know, it's kind of hard to tell. It, it seems to fit the narrative pretty well from boone's mm-hmm. perspective at least um so i i think it is kind of ambiguous i i like the fact that we don't know for sure at the beginning there
2: yeah
0: but so Said, not wanting to be used uh lays it out to shannon that uh i am not i'm not into that <laughs> and shannon immediately realizes what you know he's been with boone been talking to boone um And so we kind of do, we we don't get Shannon's perspective on anything until season two when we finally get her flashback episode. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, we kind of see a little glimpse here in the moment where Boone's not entirely innocent in this whole thing um, necessarily, where I do think um, maybe Boone has this perspective that Shannon, you know, she's just manipulating these guys and she doesn't really care about them at all. Maybe she does, and maybe Boone has been trying to save her from relationships that she actually doesn't want to be saved from in a
1: weird way. I think there is, you know, it's kind of hard to (laughs) tell who is more in the wrong, because I feel like there is stuff with Boone where it's like, well, he just is kind of in love with Shannon and doesn't want anyone else, you know, being around her. Um, in some ways. Um, although I guess, you know, thinking back to hearts and minds where by the end, it seems like he's been able to let go of Shannon in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, or at least to submit to like this higher purpose that Locke has on the island. Um, you know, I, I don't know if maybe this is just residual him, um, at, with bitter feelings about shannon you know just wanting to kind of sabotage uh her and saeed they've got where we've got Jin and son having a kind of complicated relationship feel like boone and shannon have just kind of a uh problematic <laughs> um thing going on between the two of them um mm-hmm. just kind of sabotaging one another in, in different ways throughout but
0: yeah absolutely And so Shannon kind of seems like she's taking the bait with Boone. She has, you know, Locke. So she goes out and we have that moment where she comes upon Locke eating a frog, I think. (laughs) Something, something bloody. What the heck's he eating there, you weird jungle man? (laughs) Um, But Locke diagnoses it. Um, He just cuts to the heart like only Locke can. Um, And he says, sure, you can yell at Boone until you're blue in the face, but all you're giving him is what he wants, your attention. Um, Here, once again, kind of similar to what we saw with Outlaws with Locke giving the story to Sawyer, Locke is trying to free Shannon Mm -hmm. from her chains and trying to Get her to see what a beautiful place this island is with uh, the great line. Everyone gets a new life on this island, Shannon. Maybe it's time you start yours. Uh, we see the beauty and the brilliance of Locke. You no, know, even though he's such a complicated character in the scene, it's 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 great. This is the good block that we mm-hmm. see right
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, just in in a small way, you know, just a very quick scene, Locke is able to just kind of throw a curveball at someone that makes them rethink the course that they're on. You know, yeah. like like he did in Outlaws. Like that's a that's a great callback. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, he just says, you know, you don't it, like. You're just giving Boone what he wants. Um, you can start over, you know, you, we all get a new life on this Island. Like you should start now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she takes it to heart. She says, I think almost verbatim exactly yep. what, <laughs> what he said to Saeed. So.
2: hmm
0: And I, I love how it relates to the overall episode with Jin and son, where mm-hmm. they're both, they both want to start over and the Island is giving them, uh, that's the island's gift to them here you are you can you are free from your father from J- son's father free from it all and they don't take it up they don't take the opportunity and Shannon does so we see kind of juxtaposed we see the hopelessness of Jin and son and we actually see some hope in Shannon and Saeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh, and then we see the other and the other relationship in this episode, something a little bit kind of it's not so clear. It's kind of a gray area with Michael and Walt. Mm. Um, because it, it's interesting to think about Walt's perspective in this episode um, where Michael, you know, Michael's building this raft. His father has this idea. He's, he's building it. He believes it's what's best for his son. And uh, he, he's telling Walt about all these great things they'll see in this weird place called New York City. <laughs> um, and Walt, as he admits to Locke, he's like, I don't want to move anymore. I don't want to. I like it here. Um, once again, like kind of miscommunication between father and son where Walt has one view of things. Michael has a view, another view of things, and there's kind of a disconnect between the two of them, and it's a very uh, destructive disconnect because mm-hmm. Walt decides that the only way to get his dad to stop is to burn his master project.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely some miscommunication there. Uh- <laughs> yeah.
0: But I love how in the, what I was going to say back when we were talking about the raft the burning scene, when Michael just loses it, he's upset and everything. And the flames are going how, how we see that very subtle in that moment, Walt goes to start trying to put out the fire right away. He's yep. like, because he sees how it's hurt his dad. Um, I don't think he thought he realized how much it would, it
1: would just wreck
0: him. um, mm-hmm.
1: And he doesn't want to hurt his dad. I also think, you know, I mean, in that moment, um, I wonder how much of his motivation too is seeing how um, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely upsetting uh Michael and it's just devastating to him. But he's also saying, like, where's Jin? I'm gonna snap yeah, his neck. True. You know, and so for him to be like, oh, Oh no, someone else is being blamed for this, you know. Um and also important to note there, um Michael does yell Walt's name twice in that <laughs> moment. So <laughs> so keep the tally going. Uh, <laughs> What's that on the tally now? Uh hold on, let me check. We can continue and I'll I'll pull it up, but uh Oh wait, here I got it right here. We're, we are officially at 20 waltz so the walt count is at 20 20 big time (laughs) we'll see i'm curious to see what we end up with i'll be by the i mean with the finale and uh, you know all all that happens there there, he's gonna say his name a few more times so (laughs) it's gonna happen
0: yeah but we'll see but yeah so Michael, Walt realizes the repercussions of his actions. And I just love the scene after everything has gone down and Michael, you know, he sees the raft. He's he's surveying the wreckage and he just loses it and starts swinging the thing. And we see Walt's kind of like a little terrified of his father there for a moment. And Michael sees him. And then, He's He uh, apologizes and he says, look, we all have setbacks. That's life. We'll start over. <laughs> and I think it just amazes Walt that Michael is going to build another one. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're going to build another one? And I think there's, there's just something in that where I think that's kind of an aspect of their relationship. My, Walt hasn't had his true father throughout his life. And he's been kind of going from place to place, kind of untethered. And now suddenly he sees this man who, you know, he is faced with an obstacle and he doesn't just run away from it. He stares it down and says, we'll try again. I think that's kind of cool. It's a cool moment where we see Walt kind of realize, my dad is, my dad is quite a strong guy and Maybe someone to look up to.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, it didn't, it's just dawning on me as you're saying that, that this is the first time really, um, aside from maybe seeing that box of uh, all the cards that, you know, Michael had meant to send him over the years, you know, but this is the first kind of tangible proof that Walt gets of, um, Michael's enduring, like uh perseverance mm-hmm. to provide for Walt, to be yeah. there for him, to be his like the father who will provide for him. um he sees that, oh that this is how far he is going, so that you know he can provide for me so that he can bring me to New York, you know, like that he can uh do the things that he's wanted to do as as my dad, you know. Um, and that's, that's a pretty cool thing, you know, that, that Walt has not had a, had a father who is willing to go the distance, you know, to, to provide for him. And now he finally sees like, oh, you know, Michael wanted to do that all along and he's trying his hardest now. Um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of a cool realization. Like Walt finally gets that perspective here I think it's
0: reflected in the you know the, the last scene we'll talk about here where he, Locke is you know Locke comes up and he's playing the game in the caves there and the question Walt asks Locke is do you have a dad <laughs> and Locke says everyone is dad says, is he cool <laughs> I think Walt's starting to <laughs> he's like my dad's pretty cool um but of course we get that foreshadowing no no he's not
1: which, I love how ominous that is.
0: Yeah, we're gonna experience that in a couple episodes. Yep. <laughs> oh boy, we we are. Um, but it ends on that uh, that line. I don't want to move anymore. I've been moving places my whole life. I like it here. And Locke kind of revealing his cards, his whole motivation behind everything. I like it here too. <laughs> um. Yeah, maybe to a fault. <laughs> but yep. I like it here too.
1: So, I like I like the fact that earlier, you know, you you pointed out that Walt well, uh, Locke knows that Walt um burned the raft. Mm-hmm. Um and we also know that Locke has done some sabotaging of his own, you know, yeah. to to prevent them from leaving the island. Um and so, I think it's kind of cool that even though we haven't gotten that revealed yet, um, the fact that in this scene, he says, you know, um, I like it here too, which is kind of foreshadowing the fact that, you know, he he's the one who ha- did that. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of a, a subtle thing, but yeah, um, yeah that Walt and Locke have some things in common and, and I think it's cool to see them. Interacting and um, I love, you know, going back to the scene where Locke did, you know, diffuse the situation by drawing everyone's attention to the others. I think it's just cool the fact that Locke knew that Walt is the one who burned the raft. Um, and in that moment, to, you know, spare any blame from getting passed around any further. Mm-hmm. the The decision to blame the others is so genius. the The way he is just able to defuse the situation, but also spare, you know, Jin, and to spare Walt from having to come forward and confess. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's he just, you know, accomplishes so much in that moment, and also gives us an amazing moment of the series. You know, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it kind of speaks to why did the reason I think Locke asks Walt why he burnt the raft is he's trying to, he, he was hoping to get that answer. He's like, why did you burn the raft? And Walt says, I like it here. And Locke's like, yes, you are my mm. apprentice. You are my apprentice, <laughs> um, right? Because you, you have that same perspective um, as I do. Uh, and so he's like, all right, I got another one. Got Boone. I got Walt. Um, yeah, we are in it to stay and to enjoy this beautiful island.
1: Yep, yep. yep. He's making making disciples. Indeed, he is. Well, I think that just about wraps it
0: up for uh, in translation. Um, <laughs> thanks as always for uh, talking lost with me, bud. It's always a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, one stray thought about this episode yeah. uh, that I that we just forgot to mention. Um, Hurley on the TV in that yeah. flashback. Mm-hmm. That's just a pretty cool uh, foreshadowing of next week's episode. Because we're going to get to hear about Hurley's backstory and why was he on the TV for some reason.
0: Yeah, why was Hurley on Jin's TV? Why was he on TV in Japan? That's In Korea, that's crazy.
2: Hmm.
0: Crazy times, I wonder. Um, yeah, we're going to get to talk about numbers. The first Hurley flashback episode. It is going to be delightful. Because it's going to be a little bit lighter than... <laughs> 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 it's Hurley, so it's a little less... Still, Still got some dramatic weight, but not quite as
1: much. Love that guy. Love that guy.
0: But until then, I suppose we will see you in another episode,
2: brothers.
3: Bye.